Welcome to this week's Sports Insight Extra podcast for Formula 4 Media in Great Neck, New York. Formula 4 Media publishes vertical trade magazines, Textile Insight, Sports Insight, Footwear Insight, Outdoor Insight, and Sports Style. And it also publishes digital magazines, Sports Insight Extra once a week, Footwear Insight Extra twice monthly, and Textile Insight Extra once a month. Now it's time for this week's podcast. We are speaking today with Miss Monica Eaton Cardone, the COO and co-founder of Chargebacks 911 and CIO of Global Risk Technology. She is also the co-founder of Consumer Services, a third-party mediator to resolve online transaction disputes, and has been a member of the Forbes Technology Council since 2018. Ms. Eaton Cardone has led Chargebacks 911, which specializes in risk mitigation and chargeback management since its founding in 2012. I also might add that Ms. Eaton Cardone is an expert on many technology subjects, but the focus of our brief podcast today will be sound cybersecurity and payment security measures while moving to shorter fulfillment schedules. Given that we are approaching, are approaching the important holiday 2019 season, six days shorter than last year, I think it's an important subject to address today, uh, particularly for small specialty retailers in their respective e-commerce businesses as they work to remain competitive with giants such as Amazon and Walmart. Uh, good afternoon, Monica. Maybe first you could provide our listeners with a brief overview of payment of the payment security landscape today. You know, has it improved much over the last five years, and has it kept and has it kept pace with the growth of mobile shopping? Sure. Well, so so nice to be here. So if we if we go through the payments landscape continues to morph and evolve. And one of my favorite analogies, you know, it, it is the chicken or the egg. Uh, so if we look at you know consumer behavior, what consumers want, what we expect, is that actually driving technology or is all this technology advancement? creating, you know, more entitlement in consumers. However you look at it, we are definitely approaching lots of change. So in order to really compete in payments today, and especially if you have an e-commerce store, first of all, it's from bricks to clicks. You need to have an e-commerce store if you want to compete. And then largely, you need to focus, just as you were saying, shorter fulfillment cycles, better cybersecurity, and also offer additional payment methods. And these are probably the three key changes that we're seeing in our environment. Monica, maybe you could address some of the measures as you see uh, that you see as important to protect online and payment security, particularly in the era of speed to market, speed to consumer. How much are payment security fraud issues costing retailers on an annualized basis today? So, so it's upwards of 2% of the total gross sales have been estimated to be the cost that retailers are forfeiting due to additional security measures when it comes to fraud that actually escape these, you know, so you have one expense to just manage all of the fraud and helpfully stop it. Then you have the actual fraud that gets through and that is upwards of a hundred million or I'm sorry, a hundred billion a year on an annual basis. So it's not a small number. And another important statistic is if you figure for all the for every dollar of fraud that a merchant has to manage or confront, then their actual cost for every single dollar is over three. So if you if you calculate, you know, you spent money to be able to acquire that customer, you may have shipped goods or services. You have 
business operating expenses that all dovetail into that. And then, of course, the risk and the liability and the cost of, of that fraud as a statistic for, for the business owner. So it's it's definitely it's a paralyzing statistic for many merchants, especially those in fast-growing markets, and especially if you are dealing with a recurring type of offer that has a subscription or a digital product, because these are often targeted by fraudsters with many breeds of fraud, to say the least. Do you see it, the smaller retailer who actually set up shop on, you know, through Amazon or eBay or whatever, are they more at a disadvantage because they don't have the resources to fight these fraudsters? They're at an advantage and disadvantage. Uh, you know, one one advantage is that you can you're under Big Brother Amazon and you may you can benefit from using uh, Amazon security measures. So it's not it's not as much of a risky proposition going at it on your own and creating that expense and maybe some trial and error lessons that will come along. But the I guess the, the negative or the downside is that most merchants, most retailers don't get into business learning how to handle the less than 1% of customers that complain with backlash or fraud that seeps through. They, they get into business because they're focused on on that 99 plus percent of great customers, valid customers, uh, authentic customers. And and because of this mantra, then there is a serious disadvantage for smaller retailers because they just they don't have they don't have a solid education uh, suite in these in fraud management. So as a result, they can be victims of something called friendly fraud. And this means I will I'll give you a great example. I can go to Amazon, I could order a pair of shoes from another retailer that is that is using the Amazon website and then I could claim, I could file a claim with Amazon. So the retailer sends me my shoes, I get everything, they did everything they said they were going to do and then I can file a claim with Amazon and pretend like that was a fraudulent sale. Now, Amazon is likely going to give me an option to get a refund and the merchant or the retailer in this case has an opportunity to defend themselves from the claim. They have to dispute it. It may end up going to Visa and MasterCard uh, and it can get very complicated with a lot of different rules, dots or I's to dot, T's to cross, etc. At the end of the day, it's very likely that the consumer in this case receives a refund and gets to keep the merchandise for free. And the retailer is penalized by his ignorance or lack of understanding in how to defend themselves. This type of fraud called friendly fraud is increasing by 41% year over year. And it's in the last two years, uh, on average, 20% each. It's just a really scary statistic for retailers, especially approaching the holiday season where the temptation to to file this type of claim and commit this type of fraud is even higher. Something you've explained, it sounds worse than the porch bandits, actually. <laughs> we used to have a video of that <laughs> in some cases, right? They don't have them this. They have a video of it of the person you know, accepting it and then, the, and then trying to say they didn't get it. Melissa McCartney did a, a video, and it, it's absolutely hilarious with her going through actually what happens on a daily basis with these types of consumers. Um, but, yeah, it is a scary statistic. Oh, Follow-up to the friendly fraud. I want to ask you, you know, there's some trend talk. I've been on some recent webinars regarding holiday sales, and they've talked about more consumers buying directly from social media platforms such as Instagram, does this pose new additional security threats? Uh, you know, anything that's new should pose additional security threats. By, by, by nature of something being new, there's no way that it could have tested every single possible loophole. So the onus always needs to be on the consumer. Make sure that you 
see exactly where the where you're buying something, where you're entering your details. If you're using your wallet to purchase, make sure that you understand what your rights are. And wherever possible, utilize a credit card, not e- not a debit card, because a credit card is going to give you more rights to protect yourself in the event that you do become a victim. What about PayPal, which I guess masks your, your credit card number? Do you do advise people to use that as well or program similar to that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the good thing about PayPal is, um, so PayPal has their a dispute or you know, their own dispute uh, resolution. And then they also maintain security protocols uh, likewise. But, you know, if you do have an issue that PayPal is unable to resolve, then keep in mind behind that transaction, you may have used your Visa card or your MasterCard, American Express or Discover. You know, that that's really, that's going to give you another layer of protection, almost like insurance on everything you buy. So it's fine to use PayPal. I mean, PayPal is a great tool regardless, but during the holiday when when the ante may be up for you know more risk, then it's, it's a safer bet to make sure whatever solution you're using is somehow connected to additional protection uh, mechanisms that are provided by the major card brands. Are there any common types of fraud that retailers should be on the lookout for this upcoming season? Maybe they've predicted what they are, like the like the strain of the flu. <laughs> so you you always have a, a very common fraud during the holiday season for retailers that have a store present front is called BOPUS, buy online, pick up in store. Huge indications of fraud on that, and they always have been, but it just spikes during holiday season. Retailers need to really make sure that if you allow consumers to this online, make sure that they show you some type of ID, uh, put in some sort of evidence requirement so that when they pick it up in store, you can you can safeguard yourself from that buyer ha- have used a stolen credit card or taking advantage with the claim later on. And another type of fraud that we see as just as a climbing statistic really during holiday season is just collusion. And this just means employees that either they're in cahoots with their friends or they're taking data from your company, doing different things. I mean, it's a a horror story that none of us want to deal with. But keep in mind, during holiday, it is not uncommon for businesses to hire extra staff short term, you know, temporary workers to be able to get through the, the increased demand. So in doing so, make sure that you still, you know, go through a rigorous protocol with any temp work that you may have. Trust your gut feeling, which is probably, it doesn't sound like the most solid advice, but I'll tell you that has, in talking with so many business owners that have caught this type of fraud, it's about managing statistics, tracking all of the metrics, making sure that you have multiple checks and balances, and actually trust your management when something seems off definitely you know don't put that by the wayside investigate and dig a little further and next i thought maybe if you could explain briefly for our non-retail listeners what a chargeback is and then then maybe discuss whether faster shipping can impact chargeback rate sure so a a chargeback is is really what happens when a consumer purchases goods or services and they're charged and then they want that charge back or they want a refund because they're dissatisfied or unhappy for whatever reason, only instead of getting a refund from the merchant or the retailer, they get the refund from their bank. 
So if, if any of, I'm sure all of us have actually had the experience where we try to contact a retailer that we purchased something from, they don't answer the phone, we never got the product, it was a nightmare. And so as a result, you contact your credit card company, you contact your bank and say, look, this wasn't me, it was a problem, I didn't get it, you know, whatever the reason may be, can you please help me? When your bank gives you a refund, then what they are doing is they're filing a charge back on your behalf, that transaction is debited immediately from the retailer. And then the retailer has the right to defend themselves in with within a period of time. If the retailer decides to put together a, a case and and, and defend themselves against the chargeback that was filed, then the consumer may end up losing rights to that refund. And if the, if the business owner or the retailer does nothing, well, then the consumer ends up keeping that refund that the bank gave them. Consumer gets their chargeback initially after the retailer fights the issue, which might take some time. The consumer may end up having getting the refund taken back, clawed back by the bank from them. Is that correct? Yes, it, it can happen. Um, it, statistically, it doesn't happen very often. And and one of the problems with chargebacks, it's not. It doesn't happen very often. Not because not because it shouldn't, but mainly because not enough retailers understand that they have a right to dispute chargebacks or that they have a right to defend themselves. A whole lot of ignorance around this. It's it's like, it would be like you can only get a tax refund if you're going to file your taxes, but nobody knew how to file taxes. Uh-huh. So all this money is sitting there, but nobody actually knows how to get it. Some case, Monica, I was sorry to interrupt you, but in some case, and retailers, a small retailer think they had a great holiday season looking at their books, and then in January get all their chargebacks and find out they actually lost money or didn't make as much money as they thought. That is correct. That can absolutely happen. And, and more and more. So when you... Here's two things about chargebacks you need to know. So first, there's there's really just two types of chargebacks. If we look at it in the most simple sense, you have either valid, which means the retailer should have been debited and the consumer should have gotten their money back, or invalid. The retailer actually should not have been debited. So in the example I gave, look, I received my shoes from the retailer that I ordered through Amazon. And if that retailer would have just simply defended themselves, then they would have received their money back. And I wouldn't have gotten rewarded, got to keep shoes for free, and the retailer is penalized. One thing you need to understand is chargeback. There's two types that say they're going to be invalid or valid. And as a retailer, you need to take responsibility to understand where are the invalid chargebacks, what are they, and then understand what your rights are in in defending yourself for those. The second thing to know about chargeback is that it isn't just about, it's not, it it isn't just the pain, I guess, isn't just from getting a forced refund or being debited. It's not just cost that is painful with chargeback. With chargeback, it is almost more damaging to receive that negative statistic. So think of it like a credit rating and every single chargeback that a retailer receives is a negative impact on their overall overall credit rating for their merchant processing account. Too many chargebacks, you can actually, you're not only going to spend more money on your merchant processing fees because you effectively have bad credit, but you could also lose the right to process credit cards altogether. Lots of damage can come if a retailer is naive about how to manage chargebacks, how to prevent them, how to defend themselves, and just understanding you know, all of the basics. And do you think there's anything that retailers should consider to help reduce their chargebacks or fraud losses heading into this holiday season? 
Yeah, well, as you were mentioning, uh, shipping, you know, shorter fulfillment cycle. So today, even though your merchant processor uh, will, will let you know, hey, best practices, you need to ship the product, I think it's like within two weeks. Okay, you can throw that out the window because that is no longer best practice. Best practice is defined by consumer demands and behaviors. And all of us, in fact, 40% of all U.S. transactions are, or all U.S. card not present transactions are for Amazon. Logic suggests most of us have done business on Amazon. Well, you know, if you buy a product, guess what? You expect it to get shipped like that day or the next day. You expect to receive it almost immediately. And if you receive that product later, regardless if you get it, let's say I had to wait a week. You know what? I'm already a dissatisfied customer. It may not be that the retailer is doing anything wrong, but you're, what you're not doing is, is a retailer, you're not looking, you're not paying attention to how consumer demands have changed and how your business needs to adjust in order to prevent additional chargeback, upset customers, and really help protect your profit. The problem is, why did you ship it in 12 days? Don't wait for a chargeback to come, even if you can claim back your funds. Ship that product overnight the next day, minimally within 72 hours of the order, maximally right. within 72 hours of the order. And that's going to help you discourage a lot of chargebacks. Oh, I see. And so finally today, I wanted to ask if you see any technology advances on the horizon that will improve payment security and limit incidents of fraud as we head into 2020 here in just a few months. Absolutely. I mean, it's all debatable about how far into the horizon, but I do think... Um, biometric has a lot to offer, lots of promises for frictionless checkout, which just means no one wants to go through a series of clicks and checks and balances in order to have a more secure process. We want to be able to ideally put our thumbprint on something, hold our mouth, just have our picture recognized, but something that is quick, it's efficient, it's totally secure. This is this is really cool technology that we're seeing with biometrics. And then also blockchain. You know, we all have heard lots about blockchain, but creating more transparency and efficiency is going to, should help definitely exploit some of the, or get rid of some of the, the gap and the loopholes that are currently allowing a lot of friendly fraud to continue. Well, thanks, Monica. I've been speaking with Ms. Monica Eaton-Cardone, the COO and co-founder of Chargebacks 911 and the CIO of Global Risk Technologies. Uh, And maybe, uh, again, some other time you can join us, uh, Ms. Eaton-Cardone, to talk about uh, other important issues facing retailers and vendors today. You've been listening to the latest edition of the Sports Insight Extra podcast. Learn about the latest sports industry news every Monday afternoon at the website or on your mobile device by signing up for a free subscription. And don't forget to catch up and listen to the latest podcast at sportsinsideextra.com or on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify every Monday. I am Bob McGee.